We're, uh, we're studying in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Is that right? I thought we were in chapter 3. I may be wrong. I guess I am wrong. Uh, apparently, we looked at the first five verses last week. Uh, and thy brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. <clears throat> For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech, my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's easy to see what the, the apostle is doing here. Uh, there were uh, factions in the church at Corinth, and uh, of course, a faction, you got what you got basically is you got a person who people are drawn to, and uh, people will more or less gravitate towards that individual, and then another, and people gravitate towards him, and towards him, towards him. Well, people who do something like that in the church, divide up the church that way, not godly people, first of all. Uh, a godly person doesn't divide the church, but unite it. Sometimes it's necessary that a division occur because there may be sin in the camp. But they weren't dividing over sin. They were dividing over personalities. Some preferred the personality of Joe Blow. Some preferred the personality of the twin brother. And people gravitated to their own corners, and these people were popular. They, they, they rose up among the, the group uh, because they were persuasive people. They were good talkers. They could make people believe uh, that they held the truth. And people believing they held the truth would gravitate towards those folks. They hadn't spent a great deal of time with the Apostle Paul, more than most did, uh, 18 months, I believe. But there, there was so much uh, that they were yet to learn, so much they didn't know. And these teachers that rose up, it's kind of like the cream rising to the top. Uh, these teachers that rose up uh, started drawing people to them with their oratory skills. And uh, they were successful. The teachers were as far as getting a little group. Well, this is what Paul's talking about. Okay, I didn't take that approach. It wasn't my intention, it wasn't my manner to try to draw you to me. Okay, it wasn't about me. You know, Paul hid behind the cross. He elevated Christ, and it had nothing to do with him. Jesus was the one that people needed to look to in order to find salvation. And Paul understood that. So rather than, than, than drawing people to himself, he elevated the Christ. These other guys, now here, here's the way it has to work. When they elevate their self, they have to diminish from Christ. They have to take away from Christ. You've got to take people's eyes off of Jesus 
and get the people to focus on you. And that's the way they were working. And Paul's saying, now you all, you remember what it was like when I was there. I didn't do that. I didn't behave that way. And you remember, you were eyewitnesses to the way I was. I mean, I wasn't on an elevated platform. I was down in the trenches with you folks. I mean, I, I was afraid like you were afraid. I trembled like you trembled. I was in the thick of it, just with you, unlike their present teachers would have been because they were very important people. Uh, so Paul's coming back uh, using this particular argument. This is uh, people, oh, I, I hate to say some things that I believe, uh, most people are sheep. They're just sheep. And every now and then, someone will rise up out of the crowd. People, people elevate people. Uh, th this guy, this guy, he, he is so cool, he is so smart, he is so great, he is so good looking, all kinds of reasons. But people will, will elevate. You put 10 people in a room, or on an island by themselves. And in three months, one of those people are, is gonna be the leader. And they're gonna be the leader because the other nine gave them the job. They wanted them to take charge because they believed that they had the necessary skills to be the leader. It always works that way. That's what a, that's what a, a teacher who intends to teach something other than the gospel of Christ, a, a teacher who is more interested in his own fame or popularity than he is in exalting the Christ, he's going to exalt himself by telling of all his grandiose works, but at the same time, he's going to take away from Christ because he's got to bring him down to rise up himself. Uh, it, it's always been that way. It's not new. It's as old as man is. But most people are sheep, and they're looking for someone to follow. Most people are followers. They want somebody to tell them what to do. They don't want to figure it out for themselves. They don't want to put the work in to find out what is what. They're lazy. A lot of times indifferent, apathetic, and put forth very little effort to walk the walk they've been looking for. So they wait for someone to come along who can tell them what to do. Unfortunately, those leaders lead people in the wrong way. Jesus talked about it. He said, when the blind lead the blind, they all fall in the ditch. And it's very sad. You, you got something, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I grew up uh, going to Catholic Church for several years, uh, and that, that's the way it was. I never learned about the Bible. 
we were we were encouraged not to study the Bible because we would get confused. We needed to let a priest uh, explain it to us, and then he did that most of the time in Latin. So <laughs> I, I I just went and I went through the motions. I sat down, kept my mouth shut until it was over, and then I got out. Uh, and it done nothing for me. It didn't help me at all. Uh, I wound up making the wrong turn later in my life, and uh, I got to where I didn't believe in anything. Uh, <coughs> it was a, a disastrous experience, let's put it that way. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people like to, well, take priests, for example. Uh, they believe in what they're doing. They've most likely done it all their life. They were raised doing it. Uh, their parents did it, their grandparents were, uh, and they uh, were sent to a, a seminary where they were trained in the, in the ways of Catholicism. And I think they probably believe they're right, what they do, okay? Uh, I can understand that very easily. Uh, you know, I followed my parents uh, up till I was a grown man, and then some, but, uh, it was the easy way to go, but uh, the problem is, is that no matter how sincere a person might be, and I wouldn't question it, not one iota, no matter how sincere the person might be, sincerity uh, will not cover up for being wrong when it comes to uh, matters that pertain to our salvation. Uh, we can be wrong about a great many things and it's not going to matter. Where did Cain get his wife? I don't have a clue. Uh, some people think uh, he married somebody that already existed. Uh, that could be a problem, I'm not sure. But you, you, it might be uh, his niece, it might be his uh, uh, sister, it might be a great niece, who knows. Uh, does it matter? It doesn't matter. I don't know where he got his wife, and frankly, I don't really care. Uh, and there's a lot of things that we don't know. We just don't know. Uh, and, and we have a tendency to try to fill in the blanks. I need to preach a sermon on that one day, filling in the blanks in the Bible. You know, most of the Bible is blank. And by that, I mean this. There is so much to be understood but it's not recorded. Where did Cain get his wife? It's not the intention of the Bible to teach us that, just to explain what happened at that time. But as far as where he got his wife, uh, I guess the Lord thought it was none of our business. We just didn't need to know. So the secret things belong to God. Yeah, the secret things belong to the Lord. Um, Deuteronomy 29:29, but. Uh, There are just, uh, there's so many things that the Bible doesn't tell us. And, and we, unwittingly, we fill in the blanks. Uh, I can remember when uh, I had an opinion that the first three chapters of Genesis happened in one day. The day after God rested. Then on Monday, Adam and Eve sinned. That's the way I felt about it. But since then, I've learned a little bit. And 
The truth is, the Bible doesn't tell us how long they were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned. Or if they had children before they sinned. I'd, we don't know. There's so much we don't know, we have a tendency to fill in the blanks, and most of the time, we don't even know we did it. Does that make us evil? No, uh-uh. That doesn't make us evil. That makes us human. It takes us a while to learn a lot of things. But when we come to those matters that directly affect our salvation, those, those points of law, that the Lord insists on, that we must believe. Those things are written in, in probably, what, sixth grade level? Maybe not that much. Uh, I've asked uh, children questions about the way to become a Christian, and I would read a Bible verse. What does that mean to you? And you know, every single one they got right, every single one. And these were little kids, because I didn't think they'd be able to do it, but they did. Uh, it was it was so simple to understand the language. Uh, Mark sixteen sixteen. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Well, how about the Lord said, "Except you believe in me, you will all perish." Well, what about with the mouth confession is made unto salvation? Or when the people in Acts two asked Peter and the apostles, brethren, what must we do? He just exposed them for having killed the Son of God. And they're terrified. 3,000 at least were. What must we do? Peter's response, repent, be baptized for remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those statements are so simple. The only way we misunderstand it is on purpose. A lot of times it's because we have a preconceived notion. Uh, I believe, someone says, I believe that a person is saved when they believe. Now, when you read a passage like Mark 16, 16 or Acts 2, 38, the person says, well, that can't mean you have to be baptized to be saved because a person is saved when they believed. They're not being baptized in order to be saved but they're being baptized because they were saved. And in doing that, they make a grave mistake because it's the, it's the responsibility of each one of us. You know, I could get a lot of blame in the day of judgment if I teach you incorrectly on purpose. But you can get a lot of blame in the day of judgment if you don't believe, because you can't pawn it off on me, because you have a Bible just like I do. You can check every single thing I say. You can determine whether I'm right or wrong. You have to work out your own salvation, just like I have to work out my own salvation. We help one another. We try to assist one another. But the bottom line is we're all going to stand by ourselves in the day of the judgment. We can't lay it off on mom and daddy. We can't lay it off on hard times. We're either going to be honest in our investigation of the scriptures or not. Yeah, Bill. Sure. It it's easy done. It is so I 
I found myself assuming things. I remember one time, uh, I can't remember the passage, what it was though, and uh, I called uh, Glenn Ramsey and I asked him a question about the passage. And he said, well, what, what, does, it, what does it say? It was on the telephone. And I, I read it to him over the telephone. He said, what does that mean? I said, well, it means what it says. He said, there's the answer to your question. I couldn't accept what I read because it wasn't what I believed. I had been taught differently. Preconceived notions as to what the truth is. I've been taught that salvation is in this manner, and when I read the passage, the Bible verse, it doesn't look right. And I, I assume it's got to be wrong, because I know that you're saved by faith alone. So this can't mean what it says. We assume, and that's where we, we make a grave mistake. Uh, it's, it's so easy to do, so easy. And this is what happens when people are uh, a group of sheep rather than individual sheep. Individuals think for themselves. Groups follow the leader. You don't want to follow a leader. You don't want to follow me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to help you with your Bible education, okay? But that's, you know, that's all I'm good for. I mean, I'm, I'm not the best example in the world. Uh, you don't want to put all your eggs in my basket. You want to put them in your own, okay? This is what wasn't happening at Corinth. They were blind, being led by blind teachers. And if something didn't change, they were all going to wind up in the ditch. So Paul wrote this letter. And he, he majors on this in the first part of the letter, this problem of following these other teachers. And that's what we're going to be talking about as we pass through. Are there any questions or comments? I appreciate it when I get them. Okay, let's go on to verse 6. <clears throat> the wisdom of God, verses 6 to 11. However, we speak wisdom <clears throat> among those who are mature. Uh, these are Christians, of course, people who have come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But not the wisdom of this age, the wisdom of the world, nor of the rulers of this age, individual men. This is all coming to nothing. Human teaching, it's coming to nothing. The teachers of those teachings, they're coming to nothing. They're going to wind up in the ditch. That's where they always end up. But we speak, rather, the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This mystery that Paul's talking about, and we've studied it several times already, is the fact that Christ was going to die for the sins of mankind and that those who would believe on him would find salvation. This is something people never understood. They believed that they were going to be saved. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They didn't know that God was going to turn himself into a man and come into the world and die on a cross. They didn't know that. 
And that's what Paul means by verse 8. These things, this mystery, none of the rulers of this age knew. They didn't know. It was in the Old Testament prophecies. They, Isaiah especially predicted the coming of Christ and his death. But they didn't know it. They didn't know what the meaning of the verses were, if they understood the verses at all. None of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, had they understand what Isaiah was talking about, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This was the wisdom that Paul and company preached, that Jesus Christ was crucified for the sins of humankind, and that even though we were on death row, because the wages of our sins is death, we could be pardoned by the king of all things if we would just believe that the son he sent to die for us was exactly who he claimed to be. And then he gave us a mountain of evidence to prove it. That's our part, what we're supposed to do. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is uh, oftentimes quoted as what's coming in heaven. Look at the context. Context is always important. Always, what's Paul talking about? He's talking about the mystery that was to come, that they have revealed, that God has come into the world. But the rulers, he said, of this age, they didn't know it. They had all kinds of theories as to what was going to happen. They thought the Messiah would come into the world. He would become a king. He would lead a great army. And riding his white horse, they would fight, battle, and overcome the Roman legions. That was what the Jewish people as a whole believed was going to happen. They were wrong. They didn't understand the prophecies that they had been given. And what Paul was basically saying is a man could never have imagined what God was going to do. The mind would never have conceived the idea that the creator of all things would turn himself into a human being and allow his creation to crucify him. That's what he means by verse 9. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the magnificent gift of his son. Nobody saw that coming. And when Jesus came, they couldn't believe it, and they crucified him. I know that's strange, what I just said. I know it's strange. Uh, I don't want to get into a discussion of it today. We can do it maybe next week. But uh, let, that, let that soak in. Think about it. And, uh, oh, gee. And uh, if you have questions about it, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, whenever you throw a curveball, it always uh, takes a little bit to absorb it. So we'll wait on that. But God has revealed them to us, that is the mystery, through his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of, of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul and company uh, what God actually did. For who knows a person's thoughts? 
except the spirit of that person which is in him. Sometimes we surmise what a person is thinking, and we're actually correct. Maybe it's the look in their eyes, the expression on their face. Something gives it away. Most of us have a tale that reveals our thought of the moment. Uh, but as a general rule, we're not in a position where we can read one another's minds. Uh, if I was to ask you what my favorite flavor of ice cream was, except for B.R. and Amanda, Liz, she might get it. And Chris, he, uh, he's out there somewhere. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't ever figure it out. But uh, if I asked you what my favorite flavor of ice cream was, uh, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't know. You might guess it, get lucky and guess it, but you don't know it, at least not until I tell you. Once I tell you, then you know it. That's the thing about us as people, personalities. We have thoughts and those thoughts remain in our head until we allow those thoughts to be revealed. I understand that, don't you? Before you can know what another person thinks, he's got to tell you. And then when he does, you know, as long as he's not lying. So also, just like you human beings, so also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Basically, what Paul is saying is you don't know what God's thinking unless he tells you. You don't know what God likes unless he tells you what he likes. It's not possible for you to know. It's not possible for us to know the thought of another person. How much more do we have no ability to know the thought of God? Why do I make such a big deal out of that? How many times have you heard someone say, well, I know the Bible says that, but in this situation, I think God would see it differently. Now, can a person know that's true, that God will look at that differently? No. Why do they surmise that he will? Well, maybe they would if they were in God's place. Maybe they would let something go, a wrong, a sin. Just let it go as though it didn't happen. People can do that. God, on the other hand, can't. Or maybe because they don't like the truth. What God has said means my child will be living in sin. I don't want my child living in sin. So I got to get him off the hook. I've got to find a loophole somewhere. And we search the scriptures, and we see what God has said, but this situation is different. Why? Because it's my son. If it was somebody else's son, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give on it. But we're talking about my son. And because it's my son, I think the rules are different. It's so easy to do, so easy to do, but it's wrong. It's really wrong. We don't know what the Lord will do other than what he said he will do. And since God cannot lie, if he said it, he'll do it.
That's the only thing I know for sure. But it's not possible to read the mind of God. And apparently at Corinth, a lot of folks are trying to read the mind of God. And Paul's teaching that you can't do that. Those things which are revealed, that's Deuteronomy 29, 29, belong to us and our children forever. But those things that are not revealed, they belong to God alone. All we know, all we know about God is what God says. That's all we know. Or what God does. How about that? I don't know what God's favorite ice cream is unless he tells me. I, I don't know. I don't even know if God eats ice cream. I don't know such things. I've never been to heaven. I, I don't know. And he hasn't said a word about it. Don't, don't make the mistake of trying to right God's wrong where he made a law and that law is the rule. And because I don't like that rule, I'll change that rule. I worked with a man one time. He said, I used to believe it was wrong for a man and woman to, to live together before marriage. But I don't believe that anymore. And the guy gave me the elbow and said, ask him why not. So I asked him, well, why not? What changed your mind? He said, well, my son's living with his girlfriend. So I don't think, I think it's okay now. It's, it's so easy to do. It didn't help his son one bit. If he, if he had stayed the course and kept telling his son, son, you shouldn't be living like this. You're supposed to be married before you live with a woman. Had he stayed the course and, and kept saying such a thing, maybe his son would have just gotten married and, and put, got out of it. Maybe he would have quit living with her. I don't know. But one thing I do know, when we give up, we're not going to be of any help at all to someone else. We just can't help them because we've already uh, destroyed our credibility. It's sad. It's so sad when you think about it. The source of divine wisdom, verses uh, 12 through 16. Now, we have received <clears throat> not the spirit of the world. There is a spirit of the world. It's the, the way the world uh, thinks the way the world behaves, aspirations, goals, uh, fears, desires. Uh, the world, we were trained uh, in the world uh, all the way through school, we were trained. Uh, maybe we were trained by our parents as well. Uh, what's important in life, what's important? I was always grilled to believe that it was important to be honest it was important to get a good education. It was important to go to college. And it was important to become some type of professional uh, person. It was, uh, it was good. It was important to make a lot of money because then I could treat my family to things that I never had in my life. Uh, that's the way I was raised. Uh, and I think that's the way most of us have been raised. We, we put, we've had a lot of emphasis placed upon us to walk to the beat of the world's drummer. Paul said, the spirit that we've received, that we preach, 
is not the world spirit. It's going to be very different from the world spirit. It's going to say when somebody slaps you on one cheek, don't rip his head off, turn the other cheek. Well, no, that's wrong. That's not what you do. You got to defend yourself. You got to stand your ground. You can't let anybody do such things to you. You got to be tough. You got to fight back. If you don't fight back, you're not going to make it. No, that turning the other cheek stuff, nuh-uh. I had a hard time buying into that. Didn't really understand it for a long time, but it always kind of irritated me. And there's other things that seem so wrong because we have been taught that that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Become a servant to all people. No. You're not the servant. You find somebody else to serve you. You don't serve other people. You don't, you don't take from your family and give to another family. That doesn't make sense. You got to take care of your own. You got to keep your money in the bank for a rainy day. You got to pile it up. You ain't got time to worry about somebody else's problem. And then the Lord Jesus tells us to make somebody else's problem our problem. That ain't right. Not the way we've been trained. Paul said, we don't teach the spirit of the world. They possessed it to a certain degree, just like we all do. But that's not what they taught. What they taught was the spirit who is from God. That was the spirit that they preached. The very nature of God himself. What God would do if he was in a body like we are. And he backed it up because look at Jesus. He not only preached it, he lived it. So God wasn't just throwing words out there to us. He was revealing himself to us in both words and action. The spirit we preach, we receive that we preach is the spirit that God gave us. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Uh, the truth, Jesus said, will set you free. And that's what the Holy Spirit gave them. We, these things, that is those things that have been freely given to us by God, these are the things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, <clears throat> but in words which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual the scriptures were transmitted word for word. And I say that because uh, uh, I took a course last year in a Presbyterian seminary. And uh, there was a, a great deal of emphasis placed upon the idea that the Holy Spirit gave men ideas. And then these men transferred those ideas they had been given to actual words. And because of that, there could be mistakes in the Bible because these men might have misunderstood some of the thoughts that had been given to them. And they may have wrote it down incorrectly because they're human after all. So you have to take the Bible with a grain of salt. Well, Paul's saying just the very opposite thing. 
what we speak are the actual words that the Holy Spirit gave us. It's a word-for-word transmission. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Each word was given because those are the words that God wanted us to know, to have, to study, understand, believe. Because these are the words that could lead us through this world in the same manner that Jesus passed through this world as we strive to perfect ourselves, of course. Boy, that was fast. Uh, yeah, we're going to have, we'll, we'll, God willing, we'll begin next week on verse 14.